You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I've just returned from Tisha B'Av morning services at a Chesidah Sheminyan not far from my home, and the consistency of the service, the fact that everyone sat low and was saying to Guinness, uh, reminded me that this tableau, so unlike what is occurring perhaps in many other Botechnisiot and many other places, um, was the subject of discussion that I had with Rabbi Popko a number of years ago. Uh, we, we discussed the efficacy of the saying of Guinness and the different uh, approaches to them um, and why there isn't more emphasis on the Dvar Maroyim and Sefer Yirmiyo. I thought it was a nice discussion to perhaps re-release again for today. The discussion also has within it uh, a number of, I believe, some touching uh, recollections uh, from my family that I hope can perhaps inspire others listening to them uh, to understand the world that was lost and to give us hope about ushering the world that we aspire to, the world that with, with Rabbi Shalom help, of course, we can crown 40 years of... This is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruven Yeshua Pupko from Cote St. Luke. I believe it's in the province of Quebec, but it it prides itself for being the best aspect of Greater Montreal. And Rabbi Pupko of Beth Israel, Beth Aaron, um, I know that in many shoals, the marquees are going up. Tisha B'Av is on the horizon. It's a Sunday, and the Sunday matinee for many is, who knows, something from the Chofetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, some sort of film, or maybe, you know, I remember in the camps, they used to show Operation Thunderbolt for some reason, which was, uh, I didn't, it was before, after my time, but uh, I'm sure the kids enjoyed uh, their Tisha B'Av afternoons, watching the um, the, the raid on Antebi. Um, you've said before, I think, on this program that uh, that you believe. I think you, we talked about before about saying the kinnis and and not not expanding it, not turning it into a program and a show. But you realize that you're fighting the Zerim, and in most places, you know Tisha B'Av is once again the time to expose yourself uh, to the grainy black and white films of uh, concentration camps or to hear uh, testimony of the survivors and talk about another revealed aspect of some horrible tragedy uh, from those years of 1933 to 1945. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think, do you think that the, the Shoah business has spent its energy already? I, I, I don't... You know what's interesting about the Kinos? One of the things that's interesting. By the way, you said I believe something. You know, I believe is a very strong word. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that. I don't know if I believe it. I just don't do it. All right, now. Yeah. The, um, okay. Um, uh, you know, it's, the Kinos, it's fascinating because we have a Kinos from the Crusades, right? Uh, we have Kinos, uh, there's a Kino about the burning of the Talmud. Right. And we don't have Kinos about the Khamenitsky pogroms. We don't have Kinos about the Spanish Inquisition. 
Yeah. I, I, again, greater scholars than us could probably find I mean, I'm not comp- sure com- compositions that might have been authored. But oh, it no, no, for sure. no, no. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying they're not in our literature. right. They, right. They, they, yeah. they weren't they weren't published in, in yeah, the art. Yeah. No, no. I, I don't. I just mean what we say. What's generally said. We, you know, we we, ex- we exclude the Inquisition, the uh, the pogroms. You know, a lot of stuff is not in there. Um, I don't know. A lot of shows do one or two keynotes for for the for the Holocaust afterwards. Right. There's the Bubavareb is one that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The Bubavareb is good because it uh, it's easy. It's easy. To yes, it, he tones down the poetic language. Right. That's it's a very simple, the other it's a very simple Hebrew. So, you know, there's show goers in the main can understand it. So that's helpful. Then you have what's his name? So that long one, that uh, Vice Models, uh-huh. which. Um, I, I believe Chaim Kanievsky endorsed kind of that one is very um, and you, and you know by the way Chaim Kanievsky's father-in-law Rebel Yoshev uh, locked horns with Rashach on on this question um, he broke rank with him because Rashach you know felt any sort of new sort of tikkun was would somehow give the tzioyim and the and the and the government exclusive. again I mean listen I think it's clear that over the last couple of hundred years. We may have made some mistakes in our reactionary posture. Uh, in other words, Rabbi Soloveitchik in, you know, in Boston and uh, Rebbe Shach were of one mind that you don't add kinos for the Holocaust. You don't add anything new, even though new kinos were added after the crusade. You know, um, I, I think it was, you know, it's, 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 I think we talked about this before. It's, it's almost like Trump and the Chinese flu. You know, he kept saying it came from a lab. So every, you know, scientist who wanted to be, you know, accepted in the civilized society had to reject the lab theory. Now that Trump is off the uh, off the scene uh, in most ways, uh, all of a sudden it's now now that theory's uh, taken much more yep. seriously. In other words, it's a reactionary posture. In other words, if you're against, if you're for it, I have to be against it because. It was, you know, sanctifying 20th century history, whether uh, in Holocaust memory or in celebration, the state of Israel became a project of, of the more modern, of, of the modern Orthodox or of secular in general. Uh, there was a reactionary that, you know, you nothing, you don't do anything. You don't make Yom HaShoah, you don't add keynotes. And that, that may have been a mistake. I don't know. It may have been a mistake on, on their part. Uh, it certainly... There's certainly ample precedent for adding. Sure, that. and Rebel Yoshev, Rebel Yoshev actually states that specifically in his in his disagreement with Rav Shach. Yeah, but he says, "I don't know, considering the political climate." He was so smart, Rebel Yoshev. Whether you're going to get people be miscabalit, he says it's called for. Clearly, it's called for. And if our generation doesn't do it, we have not done what the Masora has done, which has crafted the type of. I, I mean, what's the justification not? I mean, we had Chav Sivan. Yeah. You know, for Chav Sivan in every old-fashioned sitter. I think even Archibald has it, which I guess is an old-fashioned sitter. Um, the Chav Sivan has Slichus. I mean, that's new stuff. The Magad of Rub talks about Chav Sivan. And yet, they made the claim that Yom HaShoah triggers, cannot trigger right. any, any new okay. date. Yeah, but but I think as Rebel Yoshev says, he, and it's maybe what you said, the idea, I can't stand what you're saying, but even within the various Haredi camps, or if you ever, if you want to, if, I hate using that term, there's also, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to be macabre what you wrote, you know, it should be this, it should be that. We, 
we have the population has exploded. The, the pseudo sophistication uh, has flowered. And because of that, people, well, I don't like what you wrote. I don't like what you wrote. And we're going to come up with our own Nusach. And because of that, you're not going to have uh, one accepted member that people could yeah, take. Yeah, you, you would hope that a day which is which is which exists because Jews couldn't get along with each other would be a day where we could get along. Yeah, well, but you know, but you know, and, and honestly though, and I and I, I I'm trying to hear Rabbi Yashif talking in my head. The truth is, is that we ain't going to change that. We're not going to be able to change those type of petty squabbles and 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 pushing for uh, legitimacy. And they're a cantankerous lot. Yeah, yeah, as Moshe Rabbeinu says in this week's parsha. But therefore. Okay, let's let's hold the line. I'm at least going to come out there and say it should happen, and I'm for it. And that was something that Rav Shach was surprised that Rebel Yosha was willing to do. Yeah. I, but I, but you know, but I actually feel, and I've talked about this on many of my other platforms available uh, on wherever good podcasts are. I've spoken about this in many ways, maybe even to you. I, I believe, and I think we might have even talked about this ourselves that that entrenchment and surrounding yourself with Showa material because you do have the um, newsreels because you do have the research even done by, I think there's a outfit in Cleveland, uh, a Fruma outfit in Cleveland called the witness program or something like that. Um, I don't know what it's called. Operation witness. I think it is. And uh, which, which produces from a Haredi uh, standpoint uh, histories of the various cities that were destroyed in the Holocaust. So there's so much literature and so much, uh, you know, detail to get into that I think it's although the you know the person who's not seriously scholarly is just going to watch a movie about it. Everybody becomes it's it's like it's like the it, it's like the show I show, and most people really spend I believe an inordinate amount of time being involved in this. Um, and, and, and again, that that's just my take. Here's, 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 listen, there's a couple of things here. We all know from Yochum and Zakai that there's something called Zechel Achorbon and Zechel And what the Choreim certainly should have been pushing all along, at the very least, is Zechel Just to remember what Jewish life was like before the war, not just to remember how they died, which is reductive in its worst sense. And, um, you know, there's Zechel You know, listen, also, there was a lot of, uh, we all know this, there was a, a glorification of pre Holocaust world. I mean, you could simply say they distorted, you know, I remember Rabbi Huttner even, um, we'll talk about that as a boy in Warsaw, you couldn't walk through the market because a stall, you know, manager would grab you to look after his, his stall so he could go to best manager and learn, you know, picturing Warsaw as a center of ubiquitous Torah learning. We know it wasn't true. I mean, it was not a center of ubiquitous Torah learning. It was a center of assimilation. It was a center of, uh, you know, all different kinds of Jews. All you have to do is spend five minutes in Gensha Cemetery and you run into Jewish actresses buried there and writers. It was not an overwhelmingly religious community. We know that. And of course, you can see that in, in Isaac Besheva Singer's books. But you also see it even in places like Sigit, which was, you know, oh, the Sigit of the Yitavlev, this is where the Satmarebi. Even Sigit, as we know, in many cities in Hungary uh, by that period, it wasn't just the neo Logan. There was gymnasias everywhere. There yeah, were, sure. there were, and these cities, some of them were 75, 80% Jewish, but a, a very large percentage of them were secular or very close to being totally secular. And, right. um, 
so you're you're right, and and I think people like Rev Hutner, I heard it from Rev Gifter personally, uh, who actually was an American boy who went right. to Europe. That you know, he says the Balabatim she said, and he might be right about this, but I remember him saying the Balabatim Shir, the Balabatim Shir from in Vilna. That's what he would say. That's okay, I've read reports from Vilna that, a guy, that there was a guy who wasn't from, who wanted to show his kid a minion and couldn't find one. I mean, no, Vilna was, was one of the least religious places. Yeah, so, but but I think... I mean, Rokhai Meiser, before the war, I'll do this only in, in, in yeshiva's language so not all your listeners can understand, was asked about Megman Schreiben Besula and Exuba. <laughs> uh, if you know, if you know, it's not accurate. This is a truth in Rukhai Moise writes before the war. And, and, and he wrote the following. Maelstons from the Kalas, Don Vilna, aren't. And we still write it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a star doesn't have to be true. It has to be agreed to. Right. Just have to be Moscow to pay. But here's the thing. I think people like Rav Hutner and Rav Gifter, who are a tremendous pedagogical geniuses, really, in raising a, a generation of sort of American simpletons into B'nai Torah, they knew, just like the founding fathers knew, that the myths are crucial. The myth of the glory of what was European life. No, no, that was, was clear, and, and they say that openly. That's when the whole debate about making of a guttle, you know, about these books that were written that were a little more honest than the, than the norm, and and they freaked out. And they, you know, they said, no, we, we, history is an instrument of chinuch, not a history of authenticity. Right, and 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 I think that's, but but as you say, you know, and, and we mourn, you know, obviously the deaths, but you're right, mourning the glory. Of that incredible. Because after I just said all these negative things, the beauty of Jewish life, you know, especially in the smaller places, especially in the shtetlach, it was an incredible experience. I mean, I've been in places and I've read it, you know, whenever I go to a place, I try to look in there and read about it. I mean, you take a place that no one's heard of, like Zawashitsa, the shtetl about 70 kilometers outside of Krakow, northeast of Krakow. You read what went on there. You read what went on, on there in the last days of their existence. The Kedusha, how everyone dressed up in their Shabbos clothes when they knew they were going to die, so they'd be dressed appropriately for Kedusha Shep. I mean, it, it, the stories from the smallest places, the Yamuna and Bitochet, the elegance and the Chesed. It was incredible Jewish life before the war. You know, I'm more familiar with Lita and, and Poland than I am with, with Hungary or Czechoslovakia, but I'm sure the case, it was the case everywhere. It, these were communities that existed in the same places for three and four and sometimes even longer, hundreds of years. And, uh, and, and, and they created beautiful Jewish life. And, uh, and then, you know, in a span of a couple of years, they were swallowed by an evil that has no parallel. And, uh, and they died with, uh, you know, with, with great strength and great heroism and, uh, and personal dignity. And, and under the most brutal circumstances, and thank God we had we have survivors. Right, so, right but 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 I, but but here's I, I want to be radical, and I appreciate your 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 empathy, your emotion. I think about the Lodge Ghetto consistently, where all my family right. uh, met their ends. I've talked to you about that. I don't have uncles. I had one aunt who escaped, uh, who was able to escape the horror of the Lodge Ghetto. But you know, I've seen the people that would have been my aunts and my cousins, and right, and I've seen right. the. Like so, you know, it's not like who the hell are you that you have a right to right. talk. Uh, and I also saw the scars that 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 that, that it 
emblazoned, I guess, in my father and even in my mother that never went away. Right. Let us get out of that crematoria hellhole and move on. We've got okay. to, we've, oh, we've got, listening. we've got, and let me, let me just make the point a little bit sharper. It isn't just you're going to be depressed and you're wallowing in, in minutia. The Chorbin is about, and we talked about learning, you know, we talked about learning about in the three weeks, learning about the Mesa Mikdash. I, I think it occludes the real story. It, instead of seeing it as an extension, it becomes the movie everybody's waiting to get to. And the, the, this is the undercard. It's almost like the Kinnis and the Hurbin and the, the description of the of the Kehanim and, and the Avoida and, and Yoshio Amelech or whatever it was, Tzidkiyo, that becomes, okay, and now comes the part that we can really feel about. And now's the part where the money shot happens. Now okay, I, I, I would say a couple of things. Number one, you know, I, 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 I'm, of, I'm of several minds on this topic, but I'll tell you a funny story first. Uh, about 30 years ago, I'm sitting, I'm in Shul, and a group of nuns had asked to come and visit the Shul. So I'm standing in, in Shul explaining, you know, and trying to make them feel as uncomfortable as possible and uh, about the history of the church, etc. And they're all in front of me. And, one, and, and at one point, you know, you can tell how long ago the story was by the question. They said, yes, Rabbi, the Holocaust is important, but isn't it, isn't, it's 40 years already. I think it was at the time, 40 years already. Isn't it time to forgive and forget? To which I responded, that's a very unusual question coming from a, a woman whose entire religion is based on the death of one Jew 2,000 years ago. <laughs> very good. Touche. So, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not telling you it's theology, but it's certainly good comedy. Yes. And, and that's what I told her. Now, I, 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 have, I think I have a kind of a balanced view on this. I think your view is a little more extreme than mine. Yeah, I had a, I'll give you an example. I had a woman in my, in my community call me up about teaching her children about the Holocaust. Uh, and they were in elementary school. And I said, I'll tell you, I'll be very blunt. It is a, a child of survivors. And, um, and I, I was, I said, let me be very blunt. I don't think elementary kids need to learn about the Holocaust. Sure. I don't think there's any need, need for any kid, the age of nine or 10 or 11 to, to learn about the Holocaust. Yeah. They'll hear about it. They'll know about it. I mean, no, meaning know that it happened, but, uh, you know, let them learn Chumash and Navi, let them learn Mishnah and Gemara. And there's ample time the rest of their lives to learn about the Holocaust. They don't have to be told these stories when they're children. They don't have to have this view of Jewish life now. They need to see, they need to learn. Because once you learn and you know the breadth of Jewish life, then you can assimilate the Holocaust into that construct. To have that as part of the foundation. I think it's it, 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 it's just it's just a morose. You end up with a morose Jewish identification, and that's not what it's about. It's not what the survivors were about. That's not it. So there needs to be a balance. So I would agree that for too many Jews in America, Holocaust is central to their identity. Holocaust is a central event in Jewish history, but it shouldn't be central to our identity. What I mean by that is what is central to our identity is a love for the Jewish people, a love of God, and acceptance and performance of Torah and learning of Torah mitzvahs and finished. That's it. And those are things that are central. The Holocaust 
and I talk about it and I go there and I, is is not central to our identity. It's central to our story. <laughs> and, and there's a distinction there. And uh, I, I think what you're concerned about is having it central to your identity. But I don't think it should be should be shunted to the side. I think that after a young person, a young man or woman studies and graduates high school and, and learns something and goes to yeshiva, it's a wonderful time when you're 18 or 19 to start learning about it in a more serious way. Uh, to, I think everyone should should visit. I think if everyone could, they should take three weeks and visit Lita and Ukraine and Belarus and Poland and Hungary and Czechoslovakia. They should do it once in their life. They need to walk the streets of Krakow ghetto. They need to stand on Mila 18. They need to go to Ponar, Ponari outside of Vilna. They need to go to Treblinka. It's, a, it's, a, it's just out of respect for those who live there and out of respect for those who murdered there. It's important, you know, and it's called bearing testimony. I don't know what it's called, but you have to go. And, uh, but again, it shouldn't be central to our identity. You know, you, you, again, I, you know, I think you uh, presume a little bit uh, about my idea. I, I, I'm all for that. I just believe that we have clouded Tisha B'Av, which is, you know, the, uh, which is happening this Sunday. Well, there's a desperation to make it relevant. Yeah, I right. agree with you. And, it's and, and I, about the Chorban. That's right. And it's right. a lot easier to teach about the Holocaust than buy a shady. Yes, and I think that's where the energy should go into. I agree with I, that. I, and I think that the it, what happens is is that you know the the Horbin becomes the manifestation of the Horbin that the only one we can embrace is the one where Ivanachim Zemba gives the speech of the Warsaw Ghetto. Right. Uh, that's which is great, and I I'm all for kids going. I think it's, right. it's tremendous. I, I think we need to work harder on Tishabov. Uh, and I don't have the answer. I, I, the Rav, my no. I, listen, Bayashani is really hard to talk about. Very few rabbis could claim to be experts on it. It's a very difficult period to study. It's a very confusing story. It's not a simple good guy, bad guy. You know, you know. It's a very complicated story uh, of different Jewish groups. You know, fighting each other was a, and you know, it's a horrific chapter in Jewish life. Much of by a shady period, yeah, especially the, as you know, the Kohanim that were that that stayed to the last minute. Most of them were were tzadukim, right? The ones that the ones that were being slaughtered and stayed in their post, they were actually not Torah Shabbat Jews at all. Uh, yeah, many of them. It's a very, you know, which and, which which I think really when we talk about heroes, you could talk about the the, the music of dying on Kiddush Hashem. When, if those people, if we would have met them, we would have said, you are Picoiris, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're not even doing the Avoida right. What are you doing over there with the Ketoiris in the wrong place, whatever it is? And yet they were the ones that, that, that were being massacred. And I think yeah. that's, isn't that an important story? Uh, it's, 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 listen, it's a, you're right. We, we teach what's easy to teach. The Holocaust is easy to teach. It is. It's, I mean, it's, when I say easy, the material is accessible. It's all in English. The movies are there. Uh, we have videos of, of, of survivors. You can get up and tell the story of one shtetl, of one city, of one, of one camp, of one ghetto. You, I mean, there's some, it's, it's filled with compelling stories and personal narratives. It's, it's tangible and real because any, everybody you're talking to is either a direct descendant of a survivor or new survivors. It's a different, you know. It's it's very easy. Bias Shaney is really hard. Okay. To Let's talk about bias Rishon then. You know, there there right. is, bias is easy. okay. So 
you know, one of the things, as you know, Rabbi, in Shulchan Aruch, it says, what are some of the things that can be learned on Tisha B'Av? So I, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Sefer Eov, but that's a tough nut for anybody. But if, if you get the right person, it could be great. But what about, you know, it says, Vidvorim Haroyim Shebesefer Yirmiyohu. Right. You know, now, 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 most people know uh, that Jeremiah was a bullfrog from Three Dog Night, but they don't know Yermio Anovi, right? They, right? They, they don't know, he's not a good friend of theirs because they haven't learned to safer at all. That safer Yermio is full of Teichacha and Kinnis and also an incredible personage that everyone hated and, and he, was, he was despised. Isn't is isn't it great to maybe talk about your Mio and, and and what he was about? Isn't that a that he could be listen, he's 100%. not a, <laughs> right? well, I agree with you, but you know, what Orthodox rabbis comfortable teaching not Novi today? I mean there are many who are, but there aren't it's not ubiquitous. <laughs> Let me put it that okay, way. Okay, look, we don't need to have Cecil B. DeMille's version, Jeremiah, right? You know, and starring Victor Mature. However, what we could do is really, you know, you know, have Shiurim in the parts of of of, of Tanakh that you're right. allowed to learn on Tisha B'av. and wow, this is an interesting sefer. Wow, this is this is fascinating. And I go, there are people who say, no, you're not supposed to learn Be'iun, you're just supposed to, right? But I think to be Ma'ayan in the Peronius is great. I'll give you another example. Again, I you know, listen, a hammer likes to hit a nail, so you know I'm sort of a bibliophile. But the sefer Netzach Yisrael from Maral. Right. This is this is a sefer that is built on creating a machshava about Churban, all based out of Chazal. Again, I, I love the fact that everybody is, and we talked about cloning Rabbi Soloveitchik and giving uh, expanded kinnus and elaborated kinnus. Wouldn't it be great if you know we we have shiurim in Maral and Netzach Yisrael and yeah, and 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 that is at least a way to to. You know, I believe not just be a, a couch potato, a yeah. couch, a couch burnt potato on right. a dish above, right? Right? Yeah. I'm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. What movie's up? Okay. Now it's about this. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm happy that Bagan is. Uh, what Bagan is? I think uh, I saw yesterday when I was in Teaneck. I think there's going to be a, a special Bagan movie. Um, on, on yeah. I, I'm very happy Bagan is getting his his, his due, but. I really believe that that Yermio and Shamayim and others are saying, what, "What's going on over there?" <laughs> you understand? Like, yeah. what what is what's well, going I, on with I, this? I, with again, this I, 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 again, we we it's the uh, you go to the point of least resistance is maybe one way to put it. We we talk about what's easy, and and uh, uh, and also I think there really is the belief that people can't appreciate what was lost, and by a Shani or even by a Shreshan. And therefore, let's talk about what, what's relevant to people. And, uh, and we've accommodated what we think is, you know, most, you know, what, pe- what people want or is palatable. I don't know. I'll tell you another thing that, that occurs to me. And maybe, you know, you agree or not. There's something about being um, bored and, and empty. There's something about Tisha B'Av is a, is, is, is a day that there's a vacuum. It's not like okay, well, okay, I'm gonna go see that movie. That movie, uh, you know, this is just like a super hot, you know, it's just interminable hell. It's interminably hellish. Yeah, that's it. Interminably hellish. That's what you're. That's what you're supposed to feel. Uh, right, right, right. You don't need. Okay, what am I watching next? Okay, right. 
what do you agree here's with what me I on don't that? Know. Here's what I don't know. In the old world, what happened on Tisha B'Av in Lodz or in Eshtetl? What happened? What did they really do? How many people sat? Did they do four hours of Kinas in the morning? What did they do? I would say probably some of them did. I would say there was... But again, it's not a fair comparison because they didn't have HBO. (laughs) And they were trained from a young age to have a certain uh, literary ability to actually figure out even some of the more esoteric or difficult kinnas. Um, I I don't know. know, All I know is from my father, Lashalem. that I think I told you this story once. And again, your father, of course, was a very renowned Tamakocham and the Rabbi My dad was just a Pasha de Yid whose who's, who's childhood was taken away from him right. when his father died when he was four, who had to leave Yeshiva where he was one of the best students and had to be taken back to, to, uh, to, 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 to I don't know what it was, you know, selling stuff on the street because of his poor mother. But when I came to my dad and I was in the summer of 1974, I believe it was. And when I asked him, because I was trying to get through, uh, you know, a Gamarantinus of an Agatha that was difficult to me, uh, you know, uh, he just said, OK, bring me the Gemara. And then he started reading like a, a, a freight train unleashed. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, really? he was right. He just went. Are you serious? Yes. And and I was saying, wow. Wow. I I was because at that time there was no art scroll. And I think I found. Like Henry Malter, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? I think Henry Malter uh, had a translation of Masechus Tainus that I found in the Baron Hirsch library. Uh, if you're looking for it, Baron Hirsch, <laughs> it might be somewhere in a box somewhere. But anyway, so, and, and my dad, who, who was opening it from nowhere, from nowhere, just started going through every line of the Gemara. Also, I, mean, I, I don't know what goes on in most shuls today, but when I was a kid in Pittsburgh, the idea of skipping one keynote would not occur to anybody. <laughs> anyone. We said every single one. Do most shows do that today? Well, they have the expanded ones and this. You know, again, look, we know, listen, we, we are that bridge generation that lost the ability to concentrate, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're much better than our kids are, but you know, compared to what our parents were. You know, yeah, I'm sure. No, but the, also, the attention span. That's what I mean. The ability to concentrate, the attention span. Yes. And, you know, we don't have it. I mean, right. But uh, part of it is, again, it might be some of the toxins that are in the air. And you maybe know, if, if you can get a, if you can get people to sit for one hour, it's a huge accomplishment. I agree. I agree. And. But yet, you know, again, I, I feel bad because last week we talked about school tuition and, and, and we ended up sort of at a at a cul-de-sac saying, oh, this is a greater minds than, than, than we right. have dealt with it. I, I really don't want to end today with, you know, a similar sort of um, you know, throwing in the towel, as it were, um, on Tisha B'Av. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with this. Assuming that we're talking about an American family, a dad and his, or a Canadian family, dad in his early forties, kids of various stages. Um, we know it's not necessarily a time to, you know, to go out and, you know, and dance in the backyard, but how do you see, you know, do you see this family uh, uh, interacting 
Um, is it is it just personal mourning that everybody is contemplating? How do you see it? Like like you're not eating on Tisha B'Av afternoon, but all the family sitting around in the living room, the air conditioner is humming. It's Tisha B'Av. What do you expect the dynamic to be? Can you can you listen? It, no one can hold misery for twenty five hours. So you expect people in the morning to get up and David as many of the keynotes that can try to understand. Pick five, six, seven of them. You expect people to read something a little bit serious for a couple hours in the afternoon, but the rest of the day should be as exactly. And I've never heard anyone describe it exactly. It should be an empty, painful void. Yes, a gaping, you know, chasm of. Yes, of, you can feel free to use that in your speech. The yes, I, I think it's a wonderful. Yes, the inter- right, but 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 also I think, and this is my point. Everyone's sitting around you know, looking at each other like that. Sort of like in the Woody Allen film, uh, Radio Days. Do you remember? Right. Is, it radio, is it Radio Days? Where where they're all sitting there on Yom Kippur and, and the next door neighbor is, is also Jewish, but they're in the pool. And, you right. know, and um, I think it was Josh Mostel. Who was, oh, him. What did, happened to him? Yeah, yeah. I think he and Wayne Knight, like, merged into, like, one <laughs> being. I don't know. Like, you know, he thought he was going to be Newman. And, and 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 I don't know. He thought he was going to be a Newman in Jurassic Park, also. Um, but Josh Mostel, if you remember, Zero's son, uh, is sitting there uh, in Radio Days, and the family. I don't know why. I guess they finish show early, and they're sitting there, like, like you know, like tapping their tapping their fingers, waiting for Yom Kippur to be over. And next door, the family is is in the swimming pool, and you can hear. Yeah. I think they might have the radio on. And of course, Josh Mastel says, "I gotta go over there. How dare they? What sort of, you know?" I didn't say chutzpah, but he says, "You know, oh, I'm going over there." And of course, they're waiting. <laughs> you know, he comes back like an hour and a half later. I think he has a hot dog in his hand or something <laughs> like that. And he says, "Oh, these guys are great people." You know, it is. <laughs> so, you know, so I sort of, I sort of think that, you know, sort of that image of. Yeah, I mean, listen, from like three, four o'clock on, you're just thinking about what you're going to eat after the fast, you know? <laughs> I, I have to, you know, I mentioned my dad before. I want to mention my mom also in this respect. And, um, you know, we do think of the people that are, that you know, when you think about Horbonus, think about the Horbonus and families. Um, I remember my mom um, was uh, a doctor in Russia. And uh, unfortunately, she threw her papers away in order to escape. So she had no record that she actually had gone through Moscow Medical School. She came into the United States under false pretenses. She came in as a Pole because people told her that a Russian, she would have a problem coming right. in because uh, she would be suspected of being a communist spy. So therefore, although she had worked for five, six, almost six years uh, ded- in a dedicated fashion in the DP camps and dealing with all sorts of medical issues, she came in as a, as a peasant in the United States. Uh, she was very striking, very beautiful, but, um, you know, people said, well, what, what, what can you do? And she had a lot of medical knowledge and she worked as a lab technician. So even though she knew more than some of the doctors that were ordering her around, she spent most of her days and hours around the centrifuge. Mm-hmm. And um, she used to bring home, oh, by the way, just parenthetically, she used to bring home all these syringes of various sizes. And my brother and I would use them to have the greatest water fights with these syringes <laughs> around. Talk about playing doctor. But anyway, the uh, point the, the point. I is, had a water fight with Mark once using fire extinguishers in the nearest row. <laughs> I, 
I, I would I tell you one thing. When you get Mark going, you're not going to win. No, no, no. <laughs> Once you throw the gauntlet back, he comes. He's like Sean Connery in the Untouchables. You come with a <laughs> you come with a knife. He's coming with a gun. There's no way to beat him. I've got I've got the scars on my body to beat him. <laughs> believe me, I can show you. Can see them here. All the stuff I got over here is where he pushed me through the window. Oh. But anyway, the point is is that my mom was browbeaten to the point that. You know, she was working crazy hours. Right. Uh, they, they, you know, when they wanted, you know, they had her working doing the graveyard shift. So she was living really with the oil of the Horbin on her, the Horbin of her life. Yeah, sure. That it occurred. And I remember Tishabov, you know, she came home and at the end of her life, she was already reading, you know, the art scroll, uh, whatever stuff that, that was right. available. But I remember her on Tishabov reading Dostoevsky. I remember her sitting there, like opening up, you know, Dostoevsky. Uh, and and she was just looking at you know whether it was crime and punishment or, or or the idiot or one of those books, and and I remember her like you know just seeing you know what it was you know the life that had been, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and that to me was a, a, a beautiful view of what mourning was. The television was off, and you know here she was really steeped in in, in the pain uh, that 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 really had generated her life in some ways so to me you know to me that image is much more powerful than justice in nuremberg or, or seeing any of the you know the horrors the concentration camp that tells us that we're still not there that there's still horbonis within every one of us and um and, and and our belief that the restoration again i hate sounding preachy here but I, but you know i am in, in the presence of the emeritus rex himself the, the restoration of the Beis HaMikdash will somehow, um, and, and, and we have to believe that, will somehow be able to restore all those broken lives and, and the yeah. broken aspects of our own life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, but... Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.